Brandon Steiner, and this is Unplugged with Brandon Steiner. Hello, we're back with Brandon Steiner. I'm glad you're able to join us for my pod, Unplugged, and it certainly is unplugged when I have my next guest, who just never disappoints. My experience with Susan Sly is learning something every time, and then usually a few things. And I saw you a few weeks ago, Susan, and my first thing was, would you do a quick conversation with me? Because you had so many different things going on, good and bad, that I thought it would be amazing just to get you on the phone and have a conversation. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Brandon. And I want to give you a huge shout-out because you're a massive inspiration to me. You, When I think of someone who hustles, gets things done, and does it all with this service heart. I mean, there's no one like you. And I was actually, I had Terry Shodine, who's a mutual friend of ours, doing a show for me. And we were talking about you on the show because you are. Like, you're just constantly at it, but learning in the process. So thanks for you being you. And it's great to be here. Well, thank you. I've I've always learned a lot from you. And you you, you have a true what else or out-of-the-box perspective. So I want to start off with Tell us a little bit about your thinking and, and, and why you do what you do. I look at you as like a health, I look at you as just a spiritual health guru. I know you're one of the greatest salesmen, saleswomen in the world. You've made a lot of money, but what makes you, what's, give me the behind that and the real Susan Sly. Like what is, what is the real Susan Sly about? To, to answer that question, I'm going to go back in time a bit. And I know you have a lot of high achievers listening. I know you have a lot of people listening who are sports enthusiasts, which I am. And years ago, I wanted it. You know, and any listener, it's like, have you ever just wanted it so bad that you were willing to move time and space and anything to get what you wanted? And what I wanted more than anything was to be a professional triathlete. And as a kid, I had been a Team Canada athlete and then went through some health challenges. And then in my early 20s, I, someone said, you know, you need to try duathlon. And I'm like, duathlon, what the heck? Is that the shooting thing? And they're like, no, no, no. It's like run, bike, run. And I love to run. My first race out, Brandon, I see all these girls on the pro rack. And when you're racing pro triathlon or duathlon, there's a pro rack. And I'm like, one year from now, I'm going to be on that exact same rack. And, and I was so hungry for it. So I start out the run. I'm going for it. Get on my bike. I had no idea. I knew how to ride a bike, but I didn't know how to race a bike. And I finished nearly last on the bike, picked it up on the run, and I was humiliated. So I went home, and I always say this, in the face of challenge, we can give up or get better. And that's been my motto for over a decade. So I go back, I hire a cycling coach, and I get after it. And one year later, I was on that pro rack. Now, at that time in my life, I also owned a health club. I was teaching nutrition at the college level. In Canada, I had some very well-known clients. If you're Canadian, my clients were people like the Tragically Hip. I'm also the person credited for saving Kirk Muller, the NHL hockey superstar's career. He came to me for nutrition and health advice. I said, listen, dude, you have to do everything I say. You sleep when I tell you to sleep. You eat what I tell you to eat. You work out like I tell you to, how to work out. We'll get you more time. And he ended up getting four more years in the NHL, scored the game-winning goal in OT against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, He was playing for the Stars, and we made him an OT player. So I knew what I was doing from that conscious competency. I also had a little girl, 52 staff. I was on radio, television, a lot going on. And I was trying to do it all. 
and I was tired and, and I couldn't sleep and I started dropping things and I was just like, I just kept pushing it down and ignoring what was going on in my health because I wanted it so bad. So I started to climb the ladder. I got my pro card for triathlon and just at the peak of everything, I was kind of ignoring other stuff that was going on in my personal life and I knew something wasn't right. And to make a long story short, January 13th of 2000, get called into the doctor's office. I had been diagnosed with progressive multiple sclerosis. It ended my pro career. Three days later, my marriage fell apart. We had different ideas about what it meant to be faithful in a marriage. I'll say that. 16 weeks later, I lost my health club. I walked in on Good Friday. There was a padlock on the door. I had no idea the financial distress we were in. I had just shoved everything under the rug, ended up homeless, living on my brother-in-law's sofa as a single mom. And I'll tell you, at that moment, and I know, Brandon, you grew up in poverty, there are two kinds of people. There are victims and there are victors, and there was no way I was going to be a victim. I had never been a victim. I moved out of my house when I was 15 years old. Um, I just, you know, I've always made my own way. I graduated university with a science degree, did a four-year degree in three years before I was 19 years old, and I said, no matter what's going on in my life, I am not going to wear the scarlet letter and if you remember the book the scarlet letter by nathaniel hawthorne hester prim she had to wear that a for adulterer i could have worn d for divorce i could have worn s for sick i could have worn s for single mom b for bankrupt i could have worn them all but i said no freaking way am i going to wear this and i had to hustle and so I didn't tell anyone I was sick. I got a job for the largest health club chain in the world. I became their number one sales manager. I had a team of over 50 people, took it to number one. President of the company flies up from Chicago. He's like, what the heck are you doing? I said, I'm teaching people how to sell. That's what I'm doing. You know, got an apartment, got my life back on track. And three years later, I was really sick, but I said, no, I'm not going to go there. And I started a business three years after that, became a self-made millionaire. And my message- Hold on, hold, hold, hold on a second. Whoa, time out. I got a 20 First of all, victor or victims. But more importantly, when you hit that low, what was the light switch that went on that really propelled you to being a self-made you know, millionaire, to finding your way? But you're on a couch. You're on a couch. You got no, yeah. your husband's gone. Business down the tubes. What was it? Somebody? Something? Like something must have happened there. I just can't overlap. I can't overlook that. Yeah, you know what? It's yeah, I was humiliated and I was broken. And there were two pinnacle things that happened. I got down on my knees, and I'm going to preface this by saying I was raised in a Jewish, Buddhist, Christian household, but I got down on my knees, and I said, God, if you'll show me the way, I will do the work. So I wasn't looking for a handout. I'm not a handout kind of person. I said, I will do the work. And everyone has to keep in mind, I'm exhausted, I'm sick, and I didn't want a handout. I was like, I'm go if you'll show me the way, I'll do the work. And I really had to trust and surrender. And I was, I was actually watching Oprah, of all things, and I am Van Sant was her guest, and she had written this book in the meantime. And I went out. I had 300 bucks left to my name. I used, I think, whatever it was, like 20 bucks, bought the book, 
read the book, and I'm like, if this woman can transcend poverty and abuse and infidelity and everything from a single mom to becoming so successful and you know on Oprah, then I can do it too. And it was that it was that moment, Brandon. It was that thing I needed to say, you know what, Susan you can do this. You can get out of it. And it wasn't easy. And yeah, there were a lot of times it would have been tempting to say, okay, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to give up on my goals and my dreams. I just looked at MS as something that was put in my path to make me stronger. And, and as a result, yeah, was it hard? And do some days I have like numbness and tingling? Heck yeah. But I've run six Boston marathons since that. I'm a 2013 Boston Marathon bombing survivor. I crossed the line uh, before the bomb, and and it's not going to stop me. I'm going to my last words on this planet are going to be something like, "Thank you, God, that was awesome." Boom, done. Right? Hold on, hold on. Now <laughs> we obviously have an alpha female here, but um, what? Where did you get this energy from? I mean, what was what was going on with you as a kid? Because something really must have given you this strength and this core to be able to kind of fight through the adversity and have this kind of fight and, and drive in you. I was raised by a single dad, and my dad had a philosophy, engineer, brilliant man. He's like, look, if you want to know something, you figure it out. And if you want to be something, you figure it out. And I remember when I was learning how to drive, he's like, you have to learn how to drive a standard. And I was like, what? All my friends are driving automatics. He's like, Susan, if you can drive a standard, you can drive a race car or you can drive a tractor. And I'm like, okay, fine. The other thing he taught me, he said, your skills will pay the bills. He said, as long as you have skills, you will never go hungry. So I became just, just so on fire about skills. I like that. Skills pay the bills. That's cute. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So whether it was sales skills, my dad had me, um, hired me for a, you know, a side business he had as a telemarketer. We, I was raised with my grandmother and she had a Chinese restaurant so I could make egg rolls, fold napkins. You know, I could do any, I, I was a dishwasher. So even if I lost everything today, I would not have an ego. I'd walk into whatever high-end restaurant and I'd say, look, I'm going to become your number one server within seven days. Like, I'll work for tips. I don't care. I'll hustle. I'll do whatever it takes because I have all the skills. And even recently, I, you know, I've been studying NLP for over seven years, and NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. It's the stuff that Tony Robbins does on stage. Brilliant. Where do you uh, study but, that, though? I mean, do you go to the library? How do you pick up? How do you study that? First, I studied with a master trainer for five okay. years. I've read books, and then yep. I just recently did my certification. So I'm certified in NLP as an NLP coach and trauma recovery specialist. I can do a lot of really cool stuff with clients and help them, like just in one session. I'm not interested in codependence, Brandon. I like have I have five kids and a grandkid now. I'm 44 years old. I have a grandkid. That's a whole other story. But I am not interested in codependent clients. It's like one and done. You know, let's just bust this out. So, so you had I, a child at a young age, though, to have a grandchild, right? I, yeah, my, my child who had the kid, she was rescued from a shelter in Africa. So when I rescued her, she was already 14 years old. And okay. she had been raped by her uncle she had been cast out in she, they found her walking the street naked in the long way in malawi africa 
and I met her through a friend of mine who was a social worker. At Moa- said, in Africa? In Moali, oh, yeah. Africa? Mm-hmm. What were you yeah, doing in Africa? Africa? Oh, I, I've been many times. Yeah. Wow. So you do a lot of your work in Africa or all over the world, right? But every time I call you, you're in another part of the world. <laughs> yeah, right now I'm staying put because my last Africa trip, you know, I was I, yeah. I, I was just getting over that. But, um, yeah, Cambodia, I've done work with rescuing kids from brothels in Cambodia and, and all sorts of stuff. Like, you know, I have an amazing husband. Like, I could say to him today, I'd be like, babe i want to go to ecuador next week and do some work and he's like okay you know fine but right now i'm staying on domestic soil right now while i'm getting over my last africa trip and uh it was a last minute trip because my daughter um is over there she's studying uh she's having a baby they found out the baby's breach you know africa that's not necessarily depending where you are it's not the same conditions obviously we have in north america and I was doing a speaking event in Columbus, and I flew to Chicago, and I flew to Rome, and then Rome to Ethiopia, Ethiopia, which I love, great country, love Ethiopia, then flew to Malawi to get there. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, Africa is tremendous and amazing people, incredible work ethic. And, so, and this, just one quick ahead. thing, what is, what is, I'm just trying to, I want to get my arms wrapped around what's really important to you these days because you obviously are an overly, highly achievable. I mean, you've achieved a lot. Uh, and probably you probably do more in a day than a lot of times people do in a week or in a month. But what is it that you're, you, you say that is the most important thing going on with you right now? And how do you help the most amount of people right now? I always look at, you know, every morning, I know you have this habit too, and high achievers have this habit, you know, waking up early and taking some time to get some thoughts done and reflect. Now, I always plan my day the night before, and that's what I teach people to do. And I I had the privilege of sharing the stage with Jim Rohn the last time he spoke live in Dallas, Texas, before he passed. And so this is one of the things Jim used to say, you know, you end your day before you start your day. So I adopted that habit many years ago, right up my day in advance. And in the morning, I wake up and I'm like, okay, all the categories in my life, whether it's my marriage, my kids, my health, my different businesses, whatever it is, what is the one thing I can do today to work toward that goal? And so right now, my focus is really assisting people with becoming more productive because there's a lot of talk about work-life balance and, um, you know, Ivanka Trump said yesterday it doesn't exist. And, you know, Do you think it exist? exists? Do you think work-life balance exists? I think, number one, I'm going to come out swinging and say, yes, it does. Number two, you have to create your own definition because – the Susan Sly definition is going to look different than maybe the you know Oprah Winfrey definition or the Serena Williams definition or whoever it is. You have to create your own definition. And the third thing is you're going to have to make some hard decisions. The word priority was not plural 100 years ago. We put a plural on it. I believe it was like the 1950s. We decided there are priorities. No, priority. And I'll tell you, people waste so much freaking time, Brandon, that – If they would stop wasting time, you don't need to watch more kitten videos on Facebook. You can get more things done in 90 minutes. I teach people to do things in 90-minute blocks. You create more time. And here's what I say. This is my company philosophy. 
balance isn't a 24-7 destination. It happens in moments. My goal with my clients is to help them get more of this mo- these moments. So I'm, I have a client, after we do this interview, is a very, very famous chef, and I won't say who it is, like travels all over the world, works for celebrities, and, you know, is feeling completely out of balance. And I'm going to hit him hard. And I'm going to call him to the carpet on his crap. And I'm going to say, you know, let's figure out what's really important. And as you're saying yes to things, those things better be in alignment with what you say you want. Because if they're not, the answer is no. And it doesn't mean no forever. It just means no for now. With all my kids, my youngest is in grade two. Someone said to me recently, well, why, you know, why isn't your daughter in Girl Scouts? And I'm like, why does she need to be in Girl Scouts? Like, I was a Girl Scout. Okay, great. I get it. But, you know, she's in soccer. My son's on the autism spectrum. We don't use a nanny. And, you know, we, we do it all. And people would look at my life and go, you're not in balance. Well, it's balance for me. Let's talk about what's balance for you. And all of the people having the work-life balance conversation, that's the fundamental thing they're missing. Can you, can you focus on what's important? Can you focus on what's important, who's important every day? That to me is the balance. You know, the balance is like when you get home at the end of the night, and you realize you forgot to call your wife who went to the doctor, or you forgot to check with your kid because he had a big he or she had a big test. You know, that's not a good balance. But you know, I think it's if you know who's important and what's important, and you're able to put a decent concentration on that every day without having to be reminded and without forgetting who and what's important. That's pretty good balance. Yeah, and don't quote me on this statistic, but I, you know, there's a if you if you look at the studies on American men and the mortality rates after retirement, the mortality rate within 3 years of retirement is is incredibly high. And people will be like, "Oh, you're in retirement, you're in balance." That's not balance either. That is not balance. That's Brandon, a good point. You, good you, point. You know, when you stepped away from Steiner, you know, you had a lot of time to reflect, but there was only so many games you could go to and the library you could go to and, you know, help your wife do stuff and your kids. That wasn't balance for you. Balance for you is when you're, you have the hustle, when you're, when you're going for it, but you also have the time with your kids, also have the time with your wife. That for you is balance, Brandon, and that's why it's no one's definition. So I have another philosophy, and everyone can quote me on this. So I read a study that on average – only four people will ever cry at a funeral. And here's my philosophy. If you're not going to cry at my funeral, you don't earn an opinion to my life. Bottom line. <laughs> so you are you, you believe in – what's the criteria for crying at someone's funeral? Yeah. But, you know, why would you cry at their funeral? Because you like them, because they were a thought leader for you. They had an impact. I mean, you know – I cry because I'm going to miss them. Yeah, yeah. But if you're not going to cry at my funeral, why do you have an opinion over my life? Why would I listen? You might have an opinion, but why would I listen? Because at the end of the day, there are going to be people who have opinions about what we should do. Oh, you're exercising too much. You're not exercising enough. You're, you know, sleeping too much, sleeping too little. You should eat paleo. You should be a vegan. You said, like, who cares? (laughs) Some Some of the people's opinions over our lives 
they're there because they're actually afraid for us, okay, fine. They might cry at our funeral. Some people, it's a manipulation because they're jealous. At the end of the day, and especially for women, um, women have a thousand times the, neuro- the synapses between the left and right hemisphere of their brain. So women think in cause and effect. And, you know, the, the reality is, especially for the women that I work with, is a lot of times women will play, you know, they'll, they'll just not play at 100% because they feel a lot of guilt. When they're working, they feel guilty they're not with their kids. When they're working out, they're not, they're feeling guilty they're not working. You know, it's just this crazy train. You think it's unilateral with all women that, that this is going on more than men? No, I can't say for all women. I don't want to speak for a whole okay. gender. Is, I, it more with, is it more with women than men? I would say that men are – I don't think that there's more with women than men, but I'm going to tell you that men haven't started talking about work-life balance until recently, whereas women are. In the 1970s, 70% of women stayed at home. In 2017, 70% of women are working away from home. And it's, I think it's a, an issue for both men and women, the men I talk to and some of the men you and I know. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm on the road. I miss my kids, whatever. But I think men are just starting to talk about it. Not enough studies have been done on men. And here's the thing I'll come out swinging on. If you're feeling out of balance mentally, it's going to affect you physically. And at some point, whatever is repressed and suppressed is going to be expressed. And I can't tell you how many flights. Wow. Hold on. Slow down. Give me that one more time. That's a tweet, tweet, tweet. (laughs) Give me that one more time. A little slower, though. But whatever is depressed. Depressed and suppressed is eventually going to be expressed. So true. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so true, man. I mean, that's, I know, that's the key. I know guys, and you know guys, they're helming companies, 20 million, 100 million plus, and they're, you're, they're, they're suppressing their emotions and their stress with, like, you know, hogging dogs at night, you know? And, and I'm just saying that when you're having those feelings, you're, you're on edge and whatever it is people are choosing to do to take the edge off that you created that edge. You created the edge because of your perception. Yeah. And if you're feeling it mentally, it will show up physically. I was on the, uh, a flight from New Jersey back to Phoenix and there was a guy and, and we started this conversation and he had been diagnosed with stage four cancer and he worked for a major, major bank. And he said, you know what, Susan, I used to work seven days a week. I never saw my kids. You know, we'd go out to wherever, you know, Hamptons, whatever on the weekend. Um, But I was always working, working, working. And he said the greatest gift for me was getting stage four cancer. He did survive it, but it forced him into balance. The other thing I want your listeners to know is this, that you either choose balance or balance is going to choose you. Cancer rates are on the rise. Um, and, you know, like every disease, autoimmune illnesses. I teach work-life balance because I have progressive MS, 17 years. I don't take the medication, but I'll tell you, if I didn't choose balance, getting seven to eight hours of sleep, not picking up my phone on Sunday, doing all that stuff, I'd get really sick. So you, don't, you either choose balance or balance is going to hunt you down and it's going to force itself on you at some point. Humans weren't designed to go 24-7, seven days a week. Wow. Now, do you have a, well, I got, do you have a day of rest? And I've got to ask you before I let you run here. Also, i got to get a health tip from you. I, I need like one or two health tips. If you're just the average person out there, because you've given me so many tips from 
what to eat, drink, airline, what to do on an airline, what not to touch. But give me two tips, your best two health tips. Of just you know, because you see so much out there. I don't even know what the hell to do first to get healthy. I mean, it, there's so many different directions. You can't read the labels because they're, they're a little bit, I mean, they're a little deceptive. It seems like the world's getting a little healthier, but do you see it that way? No. There's a lot of misinformation out there, and I think that pharmaceuticals are propping us up longer, so we're living longer, but we're not necessarily living healthier. So I'm going to give a few tips. I'm going to give some general tips, and then I'm going to give some high-level tips. So some general tips are these. Number one, sleep is the new sexy. Sleep is the new commodity. Don't tell me how much money you're making. Tell me how much sleep you're getting. Ariana Huffington is writing about sleep. I'm writing about sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. So you, your body needs seven to eight hours, my friends. And as we age, our growth hormone, which is our anti-aging hormone, it gives, it, you know, it helps us keep lean muscle, be mentally sharp, have a great drive in life. That begins to grow, go down. Now, growth hormone is secreted at different times of the day, but there are studies that support that the majority of growth hormone, the biggest shot of growth hormone that your body can naturally produce actually happens between 10 at night and 2 in the morning. And so a lot of people stay up late. They're watching Netflix. They're, they're on social media, whatever it is they're doing. But if you want to be lean and sexy and not spend money on it, then you're going to get your butt in bed um, and be asleep 10 to 2. And I but Susan, I sleep six hours. I can't sleep more than six. I know a lot of my friends talk about this. I want to sleep more. What do I do? As long as that four of the six hours is between 10 and 2, you are going to gain more muscle. You're going to have a lot more clarity. It's, it's better. You know, I'm not an advocate of people getting the injections. It's, it's still very controversial. Um, in certain cases, I don't get them. But with diseases like MS, it's shown that growth hormone injections can be helpful to prevent, um, you know, different parts of the disease, but I'm going to say this, like, if you can, if you can sleep, even if you sleep from 10 to, you know, four in the morning, which is often what I do, you're going to be just fine. And I had my growth hormone levels tested not that long ago. And the doctor's like, what the heck are you taking growth hormone? I'm like, no, you're my doctor. I'm not taking it. But the other thing that elevates growth hormone clinically that's proven is intermittent fasting. Now, intermittent fasting, one day of fasting will actually raise growth hormone levels 1,000%. And if you do two days, 48 hours, but no more, you're going to raise them by 2,000%. Now, is this, what Jimmy now Kimmel, is this what Jimmy Kimmel is doing? Like he eats one day, doesn't eat another, or eats two days, then takes one day off? Did you hear about that? That's, or? Yeah, that's what a lot of people are doing. How many? Because, how is it? Is it one day on, one day off, or two days on, one day off, no, or? It's just one day off, six days on, right? So just take and, a day off of eating. Yeah, take a day off of eating. Get lots of water. There are great, you know, systems out there, you know, that you can do some fasting, you know, greens, drinks, different cleanses, you know, whatever. But you know, or listeners can go to my website. I don't have any products on there, but they can message me through that. That's fine. What is but the website? What's the website, real quick, if you don't mind? It's www.susansly.com. And on iTunes, the Susan Sly um, Project, I just did a show with my recurring hormone specialist, and we were talking about all this stuff, growth hormone, cortisol, testosterone, and that's 
out on iTunes um, so people can grab that show. It's awesome. So the, the, getting the right amount of sleep or getting sleep at the right time, intermittent fasting, two free things you can do. You're going to save money. It's going to be phenomenal. Now, for people who can afford it because there is a cost to this, I would say find a doctor who is an integrative practitioner. It means they are specialist in hormones and get your genetic testing done because there, you know, there are great doctors. Oh my gosh, a couple of amazing ones out of New York who I love, love, love these guys, but getting your genetic testing done, because here's the thing. There's a lot of things like, should I be paleo or should I do this or should I do that? The answer is it doesn't matter what the masses are doing, because if you do what everyone does, you're going to get what everyone gets. And the reality is, although a few poster girls and poster boys from every form of eating, um, you know, and I've been studying this stuff for three decades, from every form of eating, you're going to have one or two that always look amazing, but you don't see the ones who don't. And here's the reason. Genetically, we're not all designed to eat the same. There are certain things when you get your genetic testing, they can customize your vitamins and what you're supposed to eat and so on and so forth, right? So I would say for those who, of you who can afford it, you definitely need to do that. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to finish with this and hopefully yep. it's been valuable. And, and, you know, if you want me to come back, we can do one show that's just all on health and nutrition. I'm happy to do that. I want to say to everybody listening, if you're out of balance, I don't care how much money you make, who you are, what kind of achiever you are, it is affecting your body. And if it is affecting your body, it's affecting your ability to think, to produce, to do anything. And at some point, I lost my best friend last year. He was working on this huge deal and you know, really going for it in life. He ignored all the signs and symptoms. He was 47 years old. You know, shouts out to you, Ken Copen. Love you, guys. You know, rest in peace. He ignored it and would never take a vitamin. Wouldn't listen to me. He was like, oh, expensive pee, blah blah blah. He got diagnosed with stage four cancer. 90 days to live. Lived longer than that. Left two little kids. His wife. And that's my story. And I will spend the rest of my life harping on you if you sit beside me on an airplane or i see you and brandon will know this to be true there's no question don't tell me about all the crap you're doing in your life it's great you wrote a new york times bestseller and you're on the show and everything what are you doing to honor your health because it will catch up with you at some point that's my message you're right so you know before you get your i mean it is important to have goals and it is important to want to accomplish a lot but you need to get in balance and what that is is determined by you Exactly. That's the bottom line message. And wow. even with my clients, even though we do productivity, I bring health into it every single time because I'm not interested because eventually you'll burn out if you're not taking care of your health. Now, by the way, if I want to get your pod, because it's a good one, just for people listening, how do I do that? On iTunes, it's the Susan Sly Project. And what that is about, if if something is going to make you more productive, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. It's the bottom line. So your life mission is to get as many people as you can more productive. My mission is to help people become more productive so they can lead ridiculously fulfilling lives. We're out of balance as a society. We are out of balance in the world. Look at some of the crap that's going on politically. Um, when we're out of balance, we do not make good decisions. And I will, I will, people say, well, Susan, you know, if I get in balance, I'm not going to accomplish what I want. 
I will prove to you that not only will you get what you want, you'll probably get it freaking faster because all the decisions that hold you back are the ones you made when you were exhausted, you ate the Doritos, you smoked the pot, or you did whatever it is you did to take the edge off that took you out of balance, and you made some crappy decisions that takes you so much longer. I know that from my own experience. I'm not preaching. It's all the bad decisions I made came from a place when I wasn't in balance. So, but, you know, just for a minute, if if you were hung out with Donald Trump for an afternoon, you'd probably go more, you, you'd probably look at him as being out of balance as opposed to questioning all the decisions he made or not made or is he an out of balance I, guy? Do you, are a lot of politicians out of balance in general? My, here's, here's the thing I will say about President Trump. He has a, an incredible amount of energy. And I think... Um, you know, kudos to him because he's going 24-7. I 72. Yeah. I do not know what he's doing to take care of himself, how much, how he eats, how much water he drinks, how much sleep he gets. But here's the thing I would say if Mr. Trump was listening, and I've, I've read all his books, that, you know, if, if I was giving him any counsel, I would say, you know, I want, I want this country to be great again. I'm an immigrant to this com- country. I love it, um, you know, and I've always wanted to live in America. I would say to him that imagine how even more powerful he could be just making some better health decisions and, and coming from a place where he is feeling clear and balanced all of the time. That's what I would say. Wow. I know that was a little crafted yeah. political statement. I think a lot of politicians are out of balance, and um, these are the people that are running our, our lives and so on and so forth. And I think that, you know, we need to send a message. And I will – the other thing I read today, it was um, – it came out that it was repealed – some of Michelle Obama's lunchtime initiatives in schools. And that's a whole other topic of conversation because mm. I think when we're declaring pizza a vegetable and I, I love what governor, then governor Schwarzenegger did in California. And he proved that yes, you could, you know, be, make these decisions where he said, no, we're not going to have soda in school and we're not going to do those things. And I think we need to take care of our children, our future leaders. I don't think we're doing a good enough job. Childhood obesity is on the rise. I, I think we need to come out swinging harder there and say, look, no, if you're ch- a lot of kids, they, some of them get their only meal of the day, you know, at lunch. school. Yeah. At lunch. I mean, are you happy with your platform? It seems like I always, whenever I talk to you, I always feel like you, you should have your own TV show or you almost need to be there's so many different things you're thinking about. Like, do you have a big enough platform or are you, is your platform growing? Um, what's, what do you, what's next for you? I, that's a great question. I want it to be bigger. I, I have an email from a, a team doing television in California. Um, I love the podcasting. I love doing speaking. I love working with people. I envision what I would what I would love 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 to accomplish is I would love to bring to the internet television space a focus show bringing on different experts to have meaningful conversations I would love people to be able to show up 
and learn something that betters their life. And I want to do it from a place of, look, you know, I get what it's like. I know some of your listeners are in secret pain. They're suffering in silence. I was once one of those people. I didn't know where to turn for help. And I want to, I want to be that voice. I really, really do. And if this show is helping you or you have questions, please circle back with Brandon because, you know, I've, you know maybe I can come back, Brandon, and we can just do a Q&A yeah. from your audience. That would be great, yeah. Or maybe maybe we do something with a Skype and do a live Facebook would be great too. We get a tremendous amount of feedback uh, on on a Facebook uh, where people are able to ask questions. Or we do a Reddit once in a while also, and it's just great to see what people are thinking and what's on their minds. But I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of yours, Susan. I I can't get enough of you. Um, I always learn something, and um, today was no different. So thanks for the time. Appreciate you. Don't change. Don't ever change. No. Thanks for having me, and uh, for all of your listeners, I would just say, you know, I wish you every single success, and take care of yourself, because there's only one you. 